You're listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. It's a Sunday afternoon in late May, before Memorial Day weekend, and I'm on board the legendary 12-meter Intrepid. The last several weeks had brought pretty gusty winds to our area, but today we had a stiff southerly around 18 knots with slightly higher gusts. We're on a close reach towards the southwest out of Newport Harbor headed for Jamestown. Captain Mike Patterson is in the cockpit and is calling the overall tactical plan and explaining what his expectation of the afternoon sail will be. Whitney Curtin is moving around from foredeck to back aft, coordinating the regular cruise jobs in concert with some guests who want to lend a hand. Intrepid has a bone in her teeth and is moving between eight and nine knots. Mike makes the call to get ready to crack off as we make a turn to the north and head up under the Newport Pell Bridge. Aaron Isaacson, or Ike, works the main with another crew member. Now running north, the boat flattens out and we scream up under the Newport Bridge. If I didn't know any better, I would have thought I'd just stepped aboard one of the many charters available for the general public to book aboard a classic 12-meter. The guests were a mix of couples and friends, some with sailing experience on their own boats and some along for the ride. But there was one big difference. The man at the helm is blind. Steve Baskus is an Army veteran who, in May of 2008, in the heart of Baghdad, Iraq, sustained life-threatening wounds that changed his life forever. Aaron Ike Isaacson also served, joining the Army after September 11, 2001. During one of his many deployments, Ike had sustained a serious leg injury. I'd been invited aboard and given a front row seat to witness a new group that had been formed. The group is called Sail to Win. The mission of Sail to Win is, and I'm, I'm going to take this right from their website, to honor and empower wounded veterans first responders, and people that have served their community with disabilities by training, educating, and competing in sailing competitions around the globe. They bring adaptive and able-bodied athletes together, conduct training events, and facilitate opportunities for technology experts to assist service members with solutions that will help them become highly competitive in sailing and increase their everyday quality of life. I quickly realized that while Steve and Ike may have sustained serious physical injuries that will stay with them for life, two things that weren't taken from either of them was their determination and drive. After a decent run up towards the south end of Prudence Island, it was now time to harden up and tack back down to Newport. Again, with Steve stationed at the helm, Mike called the overall tactical plan while Whitney made sure boat, crew, and guests were ready for the maneuvers, and we made our way back down the bay. Aided by some new technology and Mike's suggestions, Steve brought us back to Newport. Along the way, we traded some tacks with Heritage, another classic 12-meter. That was the first day of two. The second day was pretty much like the first, this time with Ike getting some more helm time and with fewer guests on board. Back at the dock on day two, Mike Patterson, Whitney Curtin, Steve Baskus, Ike, and myself sat below deck on Intrepid and talked about Sail to Win. They each shared a bit of their background, how the program came together, and what they see for the future. And that's where this podcast begins. I'll be back at the end to provide a few important links that were mentioned in our talk. 
Oké, okay, ja, dit is Ike. Mijn naam is Aaron Isaacson, maar everybody calls me Ike. We are Sailed When, the Sailed When Foundation, with Mike Patterson, Whitney Curtin, and with us is uh, Steve Baskus. Our nonprofit is focused on uh, working with wounded veterans and getting them involved in sailing, mostly uh, involved in offshore big races. And, uh, you know, it, it's all in the name. It's uh, Sail to Win. That's our intent. We, we want to get out there. We want to win. And, uh, yeah, I'll leave it there. Okay. Yeah. Hi, this is uh, Mike Patterson here. I'm, uh, we're sitting on board Intrepid, a boat I've been running for 23 years now. And uh, we've been using this to start our training for Sail to Win, working with Steve Baskis, getting him some helm time. And uh, Whitney and myself have both sailed this boat for a lot of miles, a lot of years. And it's a good platform to just get uh, used to sailing and get us ready for the next boat where we'll push things a little further uh, before we go offshore. Hi, uh, this is Whitney Curtin. I think uh, Mike and Ike have done a, a pretty good brief introduction into uh, Sail to Win, which is our foundation. And, um, you know, we're in the early stages of trying to set up hopefully a, uh, a long running offshore sailing program, um, that focuses on working with wounded veterans and first responders and integrating them into, um, you know, high performance professional sailing teams and, uh, going off and getting out there. And I think Steve is our, our first, you know, the first one, (laughs) probably a fair word. Yeah. How did this all come about? Well, I think I'd probably defer to Ike. It's kind of his initial idea and concept. Um, it came about to me last year, Ike approached me, we'd sailed together, Mike, Ike and myself about 10 years ago, starting and, um, kind of in the years that transpired since then, I went off uh, and and joined some other teams and did and did sailing elsewhere. Mike stayed here with Intrepid, running the boat and and racing and taking care of 12 meters here in Newport. And Ike has continued sailing while working outside of the sailing industry and and traveling a lot. And he approached Mike and me, just saying, you know, he's done a lot of mountaineering and a lot of cool expeditions since he finished serving as a Steve and Ike, I mean, I'll let you take it from here kind of, but approached us basically wanting to take that model that he'd done climbing mountains, um, working with wounded vets and first responders and put it into a platform that worked for offshore sailing and our history together, just being on the water and having sailed in the past, it was a kind of a natural progression and conversation to have. And I got pretty keen on the idea immediately and just kind of jumped to the opportunity. We've been, you know, slowly getting rolling since then. I'll let Ike kind of explain how he came up with the idea and what made him want to pursue this and reach out to to the rest of us. Okay. Yeah. I guess just to, to jump in, uh, to go back a little bit further. So on my third combat deployment was it was in Afghanistan. I uh, ended up breaking my leg on an operation um, in the mountains along the Pakistan border. I was medevaced out and laying in a hospital bed for a while, waiting for surgery on my leg. And uh, in that process, I decided to, to really focus on apparently I'm going to survive this place. So what 
what comes next? What have I always wanted to do that I never took the opportunity to to pursue? And that was uh, mountaineering and, and sailing. And so after uh, leg surgery and re- rehabilitation period, which took a while, I reached out to um, to Eric Weinmayer, the blind climber uh, that is summited to the Seven Summits Blind, uh, broken a number of other records. And he said, hey, we're taking some uh, wounded veterans to Nepal to, Mount Lo- to climb Mount Lobache. And, uh, that is, I signed up for that. And that's how in the, we started to do training in Colorado in the mountains. And that's where I met Steve, uh, Steve Baskus, uh, who's here with us today. So we spent, uh, we, we completed the summit to Mount Lobache in Nepal. Then Steve and I got together to climb various other mountains. Um, we both ended up by accident. We were supposed to climb Mount Elbrus in Russia, the uh, tallest mountain on that continent. It, turned out to be quite a wild story that we won't get into uh, on this podcast or we can later if we want. But so we uh, ended up summiting uh, at different times. You did summit that, right? Steve? Uh, I can't remember now. <laughs> <laughs> There's been so many. I didn't see the summit. <laughs> <laughs> Say that again. I didn't see the summit. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, so anyway, um, and Steve has gotten into sailing throughout that time frame as, as well. And I got the idea that I've always wanted to compete in the transatlantic and other large uh, global races and, um, you know, take it to the next level. And so I called Steve and said, Hey, uh, what do you, what are your thoughts on this? He said, let's do it. So then the next step is, you know, how are we going to do that? And so we had uh, the regattas here in Newport that I kept coming back to for the last 10 years, wherever I was living in the world. I lived in Africa for five years. I lived in the Middle East off and on for uh, maybe six or seven years. I would always come back to the regattas uh, on Intrepid um, through the summertime here in Newport, which is fantastic. I thought I've got to I've got to talk to Whitney. I've got to talk to Mike and just see what their thoughts are. And uh, that's how it kind of came about. Um, to, to my surprise, they said, yeah, let's do it. I thought there's no way they'd want to sign up to do anything with me, but, (laughs) uh, and here we are today. So, uh, it's taken a little bit of time, uh, from last summer to, um, to this point as spring, uh, kicks off, this is our first time in the water yesterday and today, uh, for the year 2022, it's going to be quite a summer and, um, looking forward to it. So that's kind of how the story came about in summary. Okay. And uh, why don't we pass it over to Steve and get a little bit of his background. And so, hi, my name is Steve Baskis. We're here in the bowels of the Intrepid. And um, (laughs) (laughs) now it's really cool to be part of these kinds of projects, you know, adventures, uh, as some of the other individuals mentioned. um, I've been part of different types of expeditions, recreation, sports, adaptive athletics, whatever you want to call it. I served in the army like Ike. I was wounded in May of 2008 on the ground uh, in Baghdad and uh, lost all my sight uh, because of a blast injury. Uh, I lost good friends, you know, while serving. And the experience of serving in the army holds a lot of things uh, in the sense of like teamwork and uh, objectives and overall mission to accomplish things. And, uh, you know, I was able-bodied. I, I, I didn't have a problem. You know, you lose your ability, uh, a sense, like for, for me, my sight, I have many friends that have lost other things. And it's, it's 
it's, it's, it, it just changes you completely. And of course, um, laying in the hospital bed, kind of like Ike, I, uh, was wondering what my life, what my life was going to be moving forward. And I, I guess I realized, you know, I have the power to make a decision to, to, to better myself and try to be the best blind guy I could be. You know, I, that's kind of what I was thinking. And, um, sports and recreation or activity that gets you moving, uh, it, it makes you feel alive. I have the saying, you know, moving is living, living is moving. And uh, I stare into a still world. And, and, and so whether that's on a sailboat, um, or, or climbing mountains, uh, I, I kayaked rivers all across the country, uh, the whole Colorado river, 226 miles of it. And, and, in all these, pro, you know, projects and, and expeditions, we're trying to solve problems and we're trying to heal our, our mind. And I think that's, that's a, a lot of what this whole project and, 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 you know, what we're trying to stand up and, and what we're trying to do and show people, um, I want to be resourceful and independent. I want to be skilled in something. I want to learn whatever I can to be an asset to, you know, to the, to a team. And it's so cool that people give themselves, you know, to, to this idea, this dream, this endeavor and, 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 and give me a chance because I tell people all the time, you know, I haven't changed inside. I'm the same person I was before I lost my sight. I had dreams and goals to do things, but the way the world treats you, society treats you as someone that's broken or disabled. I like to say, don't diss my ability, but the, um, it's just, <laughs> you know, it's just a, it's just a great thing to be part of something like this and, and, and it'll be wild where it goes. Now you, you have your own foundation. Is that correct? I do. I do run a small nonprofit uh, foundation called Blind Endeavors, mm -hmm. uh, and it and it relates to adaptive athletics and recreation. And we primarily serve blind individuals um, uh, in Georgia and the western slope of Colorado, teaming them with some British veterans, uh, blind veterans, and American blind veterans, and, and doing like tandem cycling. Mm -hmm. uh, and other things, getting, getting out, getting people out moving and uh, trying to help them rebuild their life, give them, drive them to do something, you know, other than sit at home and dwell on, on the past and what you've lost. And will this program tie into your foundation at all? Or are they separate entities? They're, they're oh. separate entities, but I, I, I hope that we can maybe work together and, and with other organizations, uh, uh, whether, whether it's partnering to do something or do research for technology that might aid in safety or, or giving people more ability or independence. I think it's, um, I think it's, it's I think it's paramount that, that we do, uh, collaborate. Yeah. Now we were sailing yesterday and today here and you, you've been sailing on, on this 12 meter. What, what are the plans to move forward with? I heard chatter about different boats and, and, it, and it bigger plans. Uh, do you want to elaborate on that? I can say a little bit and then pass it off maybe sure. to someone else. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the organization I think is, is going to grow and change, of course, but I think we're, you know, we're hoping to acquire a boat or boats to help with, with an aid, you know, my training and, and my skill set, and, 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 and we're working towards that. Uh, some of the, some of the other guys here are, are better uh, informed in that regard, but uh, definitely trying to acquire boats or boat, 
uh, to do this initial kind of training and, and, and get my feet, feet wet <laughs> or not wet, hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, not too wet. I, I don't know. Yeah. If someone else, if you want someone else to comment on that on specifically or uh, we need to point the mic there. Oh, Mike here. Uh, yeah, we're, we're taking this incrementally, uh, intrepid's here about that we can use, uh, America's cup charters, who I'm involved with less, lets us use it. And the goal is to take this in step. So I think we'll focus more on a smaller boat next. So there's part of the problem with the big 12 meters, 63,000 pounds. Every time we make a change or a slight heading change, the boat carries so much momentum. It's really hard to feel what's going on. So a smaller boat, we expect more responsiveness. So we've got a couple of options, maybe some J22s. Maybe uh, we also have a C and C30 that's available to use. We're not quite ready for that, but we'll hop into that pretty soon. And now the long-term goal into ocean racing is obviously a much bigger boat. But I think your quality of time spent on a smaller boat, you it's a, it's a steeper learning curve. You're going to learn quicker. But ideally, we end up offshore. Hopefully, by next winter, we start doing uh, some longer and longer races, uh, you know, down in Florida, back up here for the summer and just keep moving forward until we're ready. We have to do the prerequisites for the race uh, and also for ourselves. So it's going to be a a series of short term goals. And then the long term goal that is set so far is transatlantic. Uh, And once we've obtain that you know then it's what's next do we do another transatlantic do we look somewhere else in the world do we go for a trans-pacific uh to hawaii so there's there's a lot of options out there but right now we're looking through to a transatlantic and what's our best way to get there it's all you know less than a year now since we formed uh but we're getting as much time on the water as we can and put in the effort to get it the word out and get more and more people involved. So that's what really what this is all about. The transatlantic portion, is that a, a goal? Is there a specific race or regatta event, or are you just going to do it when you're ready on, on a, on your own schedule? Well, we have to be ready. Right. Uh, it would be nice to join the one that's supposed to be running next year. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether or not we're there yet depends a lot on what our training schedule is like for the next six months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we the transatlantic could be many things. I mean, we could just do it on our own. I like looking at the Charlie Bar record set in nineteen. I'd have to look that up, but uh, that's like just over twelve days, and that's from Sandy Point to the Lizard. So that's one goal. Uh, which if we can't make the New York Yacht Club, basic uh, Royal Yacht Squadron transatlantic, and hit the prerequisites for that. So we're open to either right now, mm-hmm. not hundred percent dedicated to either version. And what type of boat do you foresee yourself using for that? Not a 30 footer. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's what the market has. I mean, we've been looking in the 60, 65 foot range. There's safety concerns. I mean, we, we, we need to make sure we're on a good solid boat that is designed for offshore racing. I mean, Newport's full of fast boats that, you know, I'm afraid to go more than 10 miles offshore. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and not a 12 meter. That's not the right kind of boat. So we've got our eyes on a couple of boats right now. Mm. But, you know, until something happens, I'm not going to get into which boats. But, you know, fast ocean going, 
60 some odd foot boat. And do you have a, a an ideal crew size and structure? And in sort of, we've got Steve and Ike, and you have more um, wounded veterans or more regular crew. How, how do you yeah, see that playing out? I mean, I think from the veteran size, <laughs> yeah, I mean, the idea is to mix professional and veterans. I think about four uh, on the veteran side or service industry, people mm-hmm. that have been wounded and action of some sort and as far as far as the crew whitney's been given a lot of thought to that and he's got a pretty good idea about the crew size and watch rotations it's all kind of open right now because we don't have a boat so exactly right. how many we don't know but maybe whitney speak to that a little bit yeah i think mike um covered it pretty well in that you can't get into the minutiae of crew and those decisions until you know kind of what platform you're using and We obviously want to get out there and send it as much as possible. Um, But the primary concern has to be on safety. You know, you're going to have wounded veterans on board. You're going to have film crew on board, people who aren't necessarily well accustomed to offshore sailing environment. Obviously, by the time we set off on a transatlantic, they will be more accustomed than anyone would be today as well. Mike and Ike and myself, um, you know, every hour and mile out there is just a little bit more under your belt and more knowledge to pull from. Um, but I think, you know, what Mike said, ideally finding, you know, around four wounded first responders and veterans and integrating them into a crew of professional sailors. There are nonprofits and foundations that, work with wounded veterans and with people who are seeing impaired and have other disabilities. And I think what we envision and hope for is to kind of be the next step in that progression. I mean, obviously it's of vital importance just to show people who may be struggling and not wanting to get out of the house or need a push to kind of get out there and have a new experience, a weekend of sailing on a dinghy and just showing what is out there and what's possible is hugely beneficial. Um, I think our goal is to cater that focus to a a smaller group of people, but a bigger experience to, you know, rather than a weekend, it's, you know, more than getting out and going dinghy sailing for three days, you can be on a team, you know, it doesn't matter whether you can see or not, or if you're, you have, you know, a, a limb amputate, it doesn't matter right. what someone is dealing with, you know, with the right attitude and the right group of people and work ethic, you can put together a unit. And, um, so the idea is to kind of tailor our focus and really just build a team. That's a nice mix of pro sailors and people who are wounded in service. And like Mike said, you know, it's a gradual process. So it'll start doing sailing, you know, on and off the dock in the same day. And then it'll be on the 30 footer, maybe doing some overnights just here in New England. And then hopefully getting to Florida and doing kind of some coastal distance racing. And, 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 you know, as, as things develop, you, you see, you reassess and see where you are and, kind of continue with the path that makes most sense. I think we're in a good position on the veteran side. I I can speak more to that, but I think people are interested in getting involved. Mm -hmm. Um, So the hurdles that we've been dealing with kind of in the past year and 
in the immediate future or more just the logistics that come with establishing a nonprofit and the accounting and the legal and all, all the things of that caliber that, you know, aren't related to being on the water, but that you need right. to have established. So I think it's a, it's an exciting prospect and, uh, and I think it's, you know, a, a very accomplishable and viable goal, but it'll take a, a lot of hard work and a lot of people who support the cause. Right. And you think maybe in participating in certain well-known regattas on those smaller boats as you're building would be a good way to build awareness. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, anytime you're, you're seen out there or you're able to talk to someone uh, and just kind of explain what our foundation is about and what our mission is. And, you know, there's so, so much of this industry is word of mouth and just mm-hmm. kind of people, one person knows one person and makes, you know, that's, that's how I've gotten almost every job I've ever had in this industry <laughs> um, is it's just, you know, people talking. And um, so any awareness we can raise, I think will be hugely beneficial. And then I also think, um, you know, any time on the water is beneficial in a different way. You know, you need to build the foundation and, acquire the funding and make sure everything on that side of the project is secure. And you also have to get proficient on the water and right. become a, you know, a cohesive unit that can, that can race a boat well and right. safely. I got bits and pieces of that in the last, well, mostly yesterday when we were out there, I've been on a couple of times on 12 meters, but out of the charter boats. And when you were at that, when Steve was at the helm, I had to say Mike was giving sort of tactical references and we were running around at your direction doing different tasks. Steve was steering. He was at the helm. He was in control. And and if I didn't know any better and I just stepped on the boat, I wouldn't have known about your blindness. It was just I've been on boats before and like you're the captain. So you're saying, okay, we got to pay attention to this or that. And then there's deck organization to be done. And it just it felt very well orchestrated right off the bat. We'll take it. <laughs> I'm not speaking from a wealth of experience, but, but it felt pretty, you know, synchronized. Yeah. Well, we've been from a crew dynamic position. Uh, we've been working at this. We've been out only a handful of times, but Steve's got a good sense of where the boats go in, where the wind is. We have a little bit of technology that helps him out. Uh, we're developing so he gets a little extra help that way. But uh, basically, especially here on Intrepid, I basically call the overall pitcher. Whitney is in charge of the crew and whoever else we have on board. Whitney sailed with me for thousands of miles and knows every position on the boat. So he's able to bounce around. Ike knows a couple of positions on the boat that he's done racing here. He's been a grinder with the Intrepid team for 12 years, I believe. And a, a grinder is a great way to learn about uh, sail trim because he's staring at the same thing. And Ike is moving into the trimming position. Uh, ultimately, we're all going to be basically at some point doing every position. But uh, the crew dy- dynamics there, we all get along. We don't fight with each other yet. And, uh, <laughs> uh, and with Steve on the helm has really been extraordinary. What You know what these guys have been through and what they bring and the determination that they have is is just I'm privileged to watch this and be a part of it. So it's really interesting. And he's picking it up quick. He he's got a, a, a good sense for where the breeze is coming from. And that's one of the most important fundamental things you could have. 
Back to Ike. And yeah, the guys just hit the nail on the head um, as we were, as I was listening there. What really sets us apart is that we are really a platform to to compete to win. Uh, hence the name. Uh, a lot of organizations do a very good job of getting people that have the desire out on the water, you know, in this sport that we love. Um, but we really, we really do want to take it to the next level. I think Whitney touched on that. So we, we really want to get out there on a global scale and we want to, we want to incorporate these guys that are still highly competitive. You know, Steve is, he's blind, but he's <laughs> super competitive. Uh, that, it comes with the folks that joined, especially, you know, in my peer group that joined after, after the September 11 attacks, but they're still highly competitive people willing to go the extra mile in whatever sport that they're in. To, to get out there and, and push it. And so I, I, again, in our, in our peer group, Steve and I, um, I would say that that's still there. Mm. They may be missing an arm or a, a leg or blind, or they can't hear whatever the case may be, but they don't want to sit on the sidelines and watch people compete at brass tacks. They want, they want to be in the competitions as well. So that's, that's really what we, what sets us apart. And, um, I'm really honored to be a part of it. In planning this, had you looked at other programs and saw where they had gone or maybe where they had stopped and, and thought, okay, we're going to, we're going to go in this direction or we're going to take it a step further. Or did you come up with your own plan almost from scratch uh, off the top of your head? You know, I think it came naturally when Steve and I spoke about it on a number of phone calls, it was, uh, you know, we, we, we want to get out there and, and make this happen. Uh, on the water. Uh, how do we do that? And it started with, a, of course, the transatlantic race that occurs every four years. Um, uh, it started in what, 1866. It's, I mean, there's, there's history there. There's a lot of competitive people uh, around the globe that, that spotlight that and want to be a part of it. And why can't we? Right. Like, why, why can't we do that? How do we build the team to do that? And that's what we're doing. If I can't touch on also the, mission mindset that mm -hmm. I think Steve and I, we kind of grew up in after about 2010 forward in that uh, nonprofit mission mindset. Uh, what, what came out of all those multiple deployments are, you know, the late, late night phone calls that you get at two, three in the morning and you know exactly, exactly what they are. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's guys that you served with that are going through a really rough patch, you know, and, and they don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. And so the mission mindset really speaks to getting them out of that place that they're in, that dark place that they're in, getting them back with their buddies out in nature, whether it's on a mountaintop or on a sailboat or anywhere else, out in nature with good people and focusing on the mission at hand. Like if, if the transatlantic is the mission at hand, what is the planning and preparation that needs to go into that? logistics support, all of it, who, who has the expertise? How can we get it if we don't have it? And then conducting the mission itself, sailing across the Atlantic, the ups and downs, there, there's danger involved. You know, maybe you achieve success, maybe you don't, but uh, surviving and, and keeping your brothers alive and sisters through that process. And then the after action review at the end of it, and then preparing for the next mission. So that's that's what we've trained really hard to to perform with our military service. And that's that's a good way to get back in action, I guess, after going through a traumatic experience. So you've you've actually taken a, a template that you've used in your military service right. and applied it right to this. Right. And, you know, at, when Steve and I got into mountaineering and, about 10 years ago, 
that was that was the focus, and that was presented to me through uh, through Eric Weinmayer's foundation. That's the way they viewed it, and I thought it was perfect. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm really happy that I came across that because it really worked. Um, when it came to, when it comes to mountaineering, it's a little bit easier because you can get off of that mountain summit, do the after action review, and you don't you don't necessarily have to have the same crew for the next quote unquote mission. You, mm-hmm. you take what you learned from that mountaineering expedition and you maybe find a new group of, of friends, buddies, and you start the prep plan mission mindset again for the next, next thing. We, we happen to have uh, a boat in mind and big uh, world races. And so those are our major missions. We'll have small missions along the way mm-hmm. uh, with the, with that at the, at the, as the end game. But uh, that that is what that's what drives people with uh, military background. To, that's what they know it. I mean, they know it and they 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 want it badly, I think. Right. And I imagine what well, I don't I haven't done a mountaineering expedition, but yeah, there are a lot of crossover similarities when it comes to, you know, planning equipment. You have weather considerations. Right. You have medical considerations if something goes wrong. Right. A lot of that will translate quite easily as a, as a template to, right. to move forward. Yeah. Right. And just getting through whatever it is. And it's going to be, I mean, it's not going to be a cruise. It's not going to be pleasant no. on these large, you know, jaunts that we're getting ready for on, on these, these sailing missions that we're setting up for. It's not going to be, ple- it's going to be rough. And we know that going into it. And I think that's part of what drives us as well. Um, yeah, life, life is too soft and too easy back here. <laughs> now, did you make a documentary about, your uh, Steve's mountain expedition. Uh, well, did I see yeah, that I mean, correctly? I'll, I'll hand this over to Steve in a second. We, sure. what we did was uh, we got roped in Eric Weinmayer um, had set up, he has, he's got a nonprofit called no barriers. Mm-hmm. He'd been working with people that, uh, you know, various injuries that they've had throughout life and getting them out into the mountains. And then they had the idea to bring in 11 of us wounded veterans back in 2010. Uh, so it was a group of professional climbers. It was a group of 11 of, uh, of wounded veterans. And uh, we had a film crew from Chirac Films. It's really about the whole the whole team. So mm-hmm. it's about the professional climbers working with wounded veterans. Um, it was, uh, yeah, it took a month to on the expedition to climb Mount Elbrus. It's awesome to go through the Kumbu Valley. And uh, I know Steve can attest to this. The view is incredible. <laughs> <laughs> but no, really, uh, the, the Kumbu Valley, we moved up through there. The mountain is near Mount uh, Everest. So the second that you, that I personally reached the summit in so much pain and you're sick, you haven't slept well, uh, you reach the summit and you just feel that amazement of reaching the summit. And then your eyes focus on that looming Mount Everest that's not too far away and it <laughs> continues to go into the sky, into the clouds. And you're like, wow, I thought I reached the top of the world, but there's way more, there's more to go. What is the summit altitude there? It's just under 21,000 feet. All right. Oof. But, uh, but I'm going to hand this over to, to Steve. Sure. From my perspective, you know, the benefits of, of something like this, you know, we talk about, you know, having a team, having equipment, having training, um, and I, I think it's just good for the listeners because they maybe maybe they don't hear this or they don't um, maybe they don't quite understand how so- something like this can help 
you know, veterans or help people um, that are very, that were driven or disciplined in something, uh, their service occupation. And I think climbing mountains, um, it, it translates whatever you're doing. I mean, in life we grow up and we learn how to do things. We become creatures of habit. We learn how to take care of ourselves. And I think when you lose you know, an ability or you have traumatic experience and it changes your mindset, getting on a, on a trip like this or on an, a journey or an adventure, an expedition, whatever you want to call it, it pulls you out of this safety bubble that society kind of wants to put you in. I, I feel like the threshold is, was high and then it's dropped low for you and you are treated differently. Like I've said before, and it can become a rut. It can become something that is like almost poison. I, I think for 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 someone, uh, you you start to live a life where you don't try to pursue uh, big things. You just are dictated. You know the the circumstance has dictated something for you, and you lose control. And when I you know when I started out doing these kinds of adventures, I have to break free of being afraid of leaving the house, you know, trusting people, trusting the cab driver, just trying to get to a location. And the whole time I'm doing that, I'm learning systems, new techniques, new operating procedures to bent that will benefit me in my everyday living. Uh, when I come on a boat like this, I, I have fears, you know, there could be fears of being hit with lines, stepping off, you know, stepping into, you know, the abyss of the you know boat or, or off the boat. And it teaches you to be strong and it teaches you to, to have courage again and, and really um, find yourself. I call it, you know, that a lot of guys will in the industry, you know, serve, serving in the military, will call it like reestablishing a new normal, mm. you know, what is normal? I mean, I, I don't know what normal is really, but we have to try to find a new way of living and pushing the threshold high just means when you come back home and you're sitting on the beach, relaxing, life's, life's pretty easy, you know, pretty mm -hmm. cool. You know, it, that, that's how I look at it. I just thought I should frame, frame that a little sure. bit. Sure. You know? Yeah. I noticed you talked about, you know, our new fears when you're introduced to a new situation and though we'd been on the boat two day on the second day. Now, when we're steaming back after the wind died, you just sat where Mike told you to hang out and you sort of just casually asked, you know, how far down is, is the water? And I thought, at first it just went in one ear and out the other because I thought I was just curious about the freeboard of the vessel. But then now that you've said it differently, you're, you are constantly surveying your surroundings. Yeah. I mean, I think blindness is a, a, a fear for a lot of people. I, I mean, blindness, the word is used in many ways, uh, not, not necessarily literal vision loss or, or sight loss, uh, but like the unknown, the unknown path or direction, uh, that we're, we're moving in sometimes in life, all of us, uh, those unknown things can cause us anxiety and frustration. And I feel like just like maybe a lot of driven soldiers or Marines, airmen, sailors, they are hard chargers. They, and they, they want to be challenged. I, I think it's good for everybody, whether you are, you know, <laughs> you want to live a soft life, a hard life. Those challenges help you feel successful, mm -hmm. even if you fail. You know, I mean, my loss of sight is a failure. You know, I, I, I mean, I sometimes in my mind, you know, maybe that's not the right way to think about it. I, I don't dwell on it that way. But yeah, failure, failure is good. I mean, it it gives us our ups and downs. And, and, and when you can sur 
surpass those, those challenges, that adversity doing something like this after the, you pick yourself up, you keep moving. Mm. And that's, and that's, what's so cool about being part of these kinds of adventure and, and challenges. You mentioned, I think yesterday I heard you talking about kayak the whole Colorado river. Yeah. Now in my mind, uh, I've been whitewater rafting on the Arkansas river and we, we wound up in the wrong set of rapids and we flipped the boat and some people wound up on the right bank, the left bank. And it, we, it was a big mess Yeah. To, in my mind. That was more scary than what goes on on a boat with a crew that knows what they're doing. Did you feel that that situation was more intimidating being in a kayak versus being on a, on a boat with. I kind of look at every experience or situation, you know, that I'm going to pursue as dangerous uh, you know, people cross the street and they get hit by a car. So, right. I mean, it, it's, it's really interesting how people rate danger and become complacent. Danger is always there in, in everything that we do really. I, um, definitely there's a lot of fear kayaking whitewater blind. Uh, I mean, I like I've kayaked the, the Platte, the Pooter, the New River, the Salmon. Uh, I've been on the Deschutes in different sections, you know, training in my own hard shell. I'm in my own independent river kayak and I'm working with a team of three. But on a sailboat, I don't really actually, I've not done really big open water, you know, long distance sailing. So what are the, those unknowns are, they're in my mind. I'm thinking about what's the dangers. What, mm. what am I, what am I afraid of internally? You know, that maybe I don't even share with others. And there, there's something there everywhere. You know, uh, it's an adventure every day for me. Cause, uh, I, I'm, I'm always having to adapt and, mm. and the unknown is always there in unfamiliar places. So I think that's big. That's going to be big in, in, in the training for, for this is knowing the boat, knowing where I need to go. These, these things, we're talking about it constantly, Mike and I and, 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 and others, uh, Whitney here. I, I ask questions and I'm reading in my own, in my own time, but yeah. And when you engage in these, these adventures and these projects, are you single-minded? In other words, right now you're doing, or today at the moment, you're doing the boat thing. Is it okay? Well, I'm going to stick with this until I've achieved those goals. Or do you have other ones running concurrently uh, such as, okay, no, I'm going back to the uh, a mountain expedition or a bicycling trek while this is all going on and you, and you do everything concurrently. They're all lifelong pursuits. So it's uh, happening. I, I have a, a garage full of uh, <laughs> all kinds of equipment, uh, tandem bikes and right. kayaks. And, and yeah, I, I, throughout the year, I mean, COVID has made it, somewhat difficult for team teams, you know, mm -hmm. uh, it's not difficult to go in the wilderness and get away from COVID, but, uh, but COVID has caused, uh, a, a lot of problems in, in, in some of the organized things I do with people. Uh, uh, but yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm constantly, you know, going back home. I live in Colorado, so mm -hmm. I'm uh, alpine skiing. I know I've Nordic skied, you know, uh, it's a constant thing for me. It's, it's, it's my life. Uh, I don't want to sit still. So, uh, Right. But you're not going to let preparing for this trip when ski season comes around again, it's right back to the slope, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, uh, keep it going. It's just, yeah. Constant. It's just doing something, you know, somewhere in, on some part of the globe. Yeah. <laughs> it's really, that's how it is. Uh, and I think we were talking earlier because we both have an interest in music and you're a musician. You're attending a, a program at Berkeley School of Music in Boston, but you're doing it remotely. Mm -hmm. And I imagine that they've got some, some technology that's made that, yeah. I, I mean, there's technology that's, um, 
some manufacturers like Apple have created something called a screen reader. They've been around since the eighties. It's speech that, that basically guides me, speaks the screen and my location, whether it's a flat screen, like a touch screen, you know, phone Mm. or, and and that kind of technology, you know, among, among other things is what we hope to kind of incorporate, you know, in, 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 in this adventure and this journey of creating this organization. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to school and I'm using that screen reader to, mm-hmm. to, to interact with, with my curriculum and, and my assignments and, and stuff. And right. it's pretty cool. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. But uh, it's, it's, it's wonderful to be part of. That's excellent. This. Back to Mike, you're, are you going to be, you're going to be part of the program throughout? Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the goal. We're all, uh, Ike, myself and Whitney have formed the private operating foundation. We're still in some process on paperwork, but mm. it is well on its way and it's a real thing. Uh, so yeah, we're moving forward. And if people want to f- follow this, you'll have a website. Yes. Right now there's a, a website sale to win.org and it is spelled T O sale to win.org. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also a Facebook up. And we're about to get an Instagram and maybe a Twitter going. Uh, but we, yeah, none of us are very tech savvy <laughs> that way, but we're working on it. And we know some people. We got a guy coming tomorrow that could probably help us with that a little more. Uh, but yeah, check out the website. Uh, Ike built it, it's working and it's up and running. And what you'll, you'll have regular updates about the progress of. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. We'll update, you know, we have some videos up there now and we'll have updates and, uh, eventually we're hoping to have a movie trailer up pretty soon. Um, oh, wow. Ike's, Ike's been working with that, uh, for the documentary. The documentary is pretty exciting. Ike, uh, has most of the insight on what's going on there. Oh, so, let's, let's so hear you about fill that. It in there. That's right. I learned, uh, as we were up the bay that I was in the presence of someone with an actual IMDb page. So <laughs> yeah, that's uh, not sure. that big of a deal. Yeah. I was in uh, the reality TV show, uh, expedition impossible mm. on ABC. But anyway, um, yeah, IMDb. That's funny. You mentioned that because I got back from that TV show and somebody said, you have an IMDb account. And I said, I had no, no. And it turns out they make them for you. So that was, Oh, <laughs> Very interesting. So yeah, the film, the, so I spoke with the same, Michael Brown is with Serac Films who filmed our uh, Nepal expedition. And he, I spoke with him about this project and said, uh, you know, do you have an interest? What What are your thoughts on this? And he said, yeah, that's, that's something that we need to be a part of. So we are working on that um, currently. We started filming last fall here in, in Newport and, uh, we're continuing to catch little bits of film here and there. The trailer should be coming out within the next month or so. Yeah. The film will take us all the way through this process of growth into the actual, um, transatlantic capturing everything. We'll have a film crew member or two with us on the boat. And then, um, you know, however that turns out, then they'll release the film. The, uh, the film, Chirac films partnered with Disney to produce the film that we were in called high ground. Back in 2011, it received some awards. It was a pretty cool thing to be a part of. Uh, really interesting to watch the process. But anyway, we're we're kind of in that process right now as we speak. Uh, and all of the, all of the filming we've conducted so far has been in Newport. And is the the film trailer going to be something used as a tool to help build awareness and uh, yeah. fundraising efforts? That sort that's of the thing. goal. Yeah, yeah that's. The- 
But I mean, the, the trailer is to, to get people interested in mm-hmm. what we're doing and to help it, help us, you know, move the football down the field. But, you know, the real, real purpose of the documentary film is to, to show really, you know, what it takes, not, not only what it takes to do an event like that, but, you know, the good, bad and the ugly, the, the difficulties with, uh, missing eyesight and whatever else comes down the road, you know, it's mm. not going to be easy. It's, it should be a pretty interesting film to watch. You know, when I came, came to me about this, this, this is unlike anything I've ever done. I, I sail for a living. It's all I'm thinking about is racing sailboats and also at the same time running a charter company. So I've got another good friend, Sean Claybo, that was blown up multiple times as well. And I never served. You know what these guys did and putting themselves on the line. And if there's any way that I can give back to that, I think that's really important. And, you know, that was an instant thing for me. It's like I've watched friends that were in the military and I've lost friends that were in the military. And I myself never was there. Uh, I never did it. Right. Never, never even thought about it. So it's a way I can give back. If I can help out mm. and help these guys and girls out in this adventure, I think that's awesome. And it coincides with what I do. Right. You just said something that made me think, is there a gender specification? Is it going to be a crew of all men uh, or is no. it whoever wants to participate? I, I think it's all inclusive. All inclusive. I mean, I think that's really important. Right. Uh, there's religion, race, yeah. gender. It's just, it's everybody. I mentioned earlier the service, the industry as well. I mean, first responders, fire, mm. uh, everything down to ER workers. You know, there's people that really put themselves on the line for the rest of us. And I'm out here playing with yachts. So I'd like to give something back. And, and to add on that real quick, it's it's to bring more people to the sport, too. I mean, it's mm-hmm. uh, we, we love sailing. And these are people like myself who I was laying in a hospital bed thinking, man, I've always had a passion for this. I wanted to get involved. But I just didn't know how. Well, uh, that that's we're bringing people from all walks of life uh, to to the sport, too. I mean, that's that's important to us as well. I also, I wondered about that. How many people, other than the get off the couch problem, how many people have been injured and are lying there thinking, you know, what am I going to do now? Don't even know that these programs exist. Does the the military help uh, guide you in the right direction? You know, early on, no, but now it's gotten better with time. So yeah, they'll be able to find us pretty easily. I think we already have a number of folks that, uh, that are lining up to, to jump in and get on the water with us. And that's pretty exciting. Mm. Just doing a little casual research. I did stumble across a video that was, it looked like it was produced and approved by the U S army featuring Steve saying, look what he's accomplished. Sure. Yeah, there is. Yeah, yeah. The army is definitely supportive. Yeah. Mm. In fact, they sponsored, uh, all of us and myself, on the Nepal climb. So yeah. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah. They did. Uh, so yeah. Did you have anything you wanted to add? I see they handed you the mic. Uh, no, I, I think, um, well, first, firstly from, from us, thank you very much for, for having us on and giving us an opportunity to try and raise awareness about our goals and our mission and what we're pursuing. You know, every person who's aware who's interested that that that's beneficial to us. That's beneficial to the people that we're trying to help. So um, thank you very much for having us. And we look forward to 
getting on the water with you again and, and hopefully talking to more people about the sail to win foundation and uh, about our goals. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah. Maybe if we could do an update down the road, absolutely. Uh, as, as you get new boats or a new, the program takes a, an interesting tack to use a, we love to talk about ourselves. So anytime you want to have us on, you know, yeah. Right on. Okay. Thanks. Thank you. And that was my talk with, Mike Patterson, Whitney Curtin, Steve Baskus, and Aaron Isaacson, or Ike, from Sail to Win. And again, I'd like just to reiterate their website is S-A-I-L-T-O-W-I-N dot O-R-G. That's Sail to Win. They have their mission defined, team profiles, uh, and also contact information, how you can get involved, and of course, the usual social media links. And it's probably a good resource if you want to follow along or get involved or contribute in any way you can. Also, I think we mentioned, uh, they'd mentioned their mountaineering expeditions up Mount Lobachet, uh, which was documented in the film High Ground, uh, which was released in 2012, directed by Michael Brown. I did watch it after I sat down with these guys and uh, it's very powerful. Steve and Ike uh, are among 11 individuals who completed that climb. Um, it's impressive what these guys have been through and, and what they continue to push themselves to do. Many thanks to Mike on Intrepid for giving me the heads up about this operation. And I look forward to following them along and I'll maybe do an update with them uh, at some point. That would be great. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to Standing Before the Mass podcast with Chris Heaton, sponsored by Newport Nautical Supply. Please like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.